Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. You cross that line, I'll slap you around and make you piss like a puppy. <laughs> and also joining us on this episode, we have a very special guest from the Is That Your Kid podcast. Uh, he's a longtime, fr- uh, wait, longtime friend. Uh, oh, shit. Also a long-term brother. I don't know if that counts. Long-time friend, first-time brother. <laughs> Jake Angel Boy Zerme. <laughs> first-time guest. Yeah, I was trying to get there, but I couldn't make it happen. But yes, we have Jake. So sit back, relax, and grab your, uh, grab your doodles as we dive into <laughs> Cool World. That could mean anything. Guys, this is a horny movie. It's not horny enough for adults. It's too <laughs> horny for kids. It's for nobody. It's reached a That sounds a bad. That sounds dis- like that sounds like I was wishing that it was hornier. No, you're right. It's landed in this perfect space that is just repulsive to everyone. Yes. That's what I mean. Not that I was like, ah man, if only this was a little dirtier, it'd be it, <laughs> it would fit it would fit me like a glove because <laughs> I'm an adult. Honestly, I think if they were allowed to lean into it all the way, it would be. Now, okay, guys, have either of you before this viewing for the podcast seen this movie? Never seen it. Never heard of it. I have also never seen it. No. Never heard of it until I was looking at the list that you sent me. And uh, yeah, once I saw a thumbnail for it, I knew that this had to be the one <laughs> that I needed to be a guest. <laughs> yes. Let it be known that Jake chose this episode from a list, so... Yeah, there are plenty of good movies, objectively good movies on the list. And he said, I want that Brad Pitt number. Okay, listen, uh, if you... No one's heard of. There's a thing about me where I don't watch trailers for movies, no matter the hype. The only time you can catch me watching a trailer is if I'm in chains or stuck in a movie theater and I can't, like, leave to watch it. I will avidly skip a trailer, not watch it, mute it, and especially if... If you see Jake watching a trailer... (laughs) call for help see if you see something say something (laughs) call for help he's being detained whether he can tell you or not and it mostly happens when i really actually want to see that film if it's a movie that i know i'll never see in a million years yeah i'll watch the trailer but if i know i want to see it at some point in my life i will try to forget it I understand that, but the only time i really try to actively avoid trailers is in regards to horror movies because for some reason they cannot help but just totally spoil on every they horror movie it. that exists. In in my opinion, I agree, and yet I'll still watch them. I like to get like real amped up for movies, so like as soon as mm. a trailer releases, I'm like, yeah, I gotta watch it. But they absolutely tell you and show you way too much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all part of it. All right, well, this one talk about showing too much. This cool world was released july 10th 1992 this one was directed by ralph bakshi who is a cult animation director Um, he's directed things like uh, the animated lord of the rings movie in 1977 wizards and fire and ice his style is real heavy metal rotoscoped kind of animation 
adult cartoons too. He did Fritz the Cat. That was like one of the X-rated cartoon movies. I think maybe the first one. Heavy Traffic as well, which is, I think, a, in a similar vein. And that was the intention for this movie as well. It was designed and shot with the idea of it being R-rated in mind. This one also stars Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, and returning Nerdaplexy player, Kim Basinger. <laughs> yeah, we're back to our roots. Batman 1989, Kim Basinger. Batman. I was going to ask, what else was she in that you've seen? Okay, okay. Yeah, she was Vicky Vale. Is, is that Hollywood? Hollywood if she could. I don't know if this is the right time, but her last name, for those of you that don't know, is spelled almost like, yeah, she would. You guys had never heard of this movie, but I was reading 90s era comic books and I was very familiar with this movie because of there was a full spread ad and it had Hollywood in it. And the tagline for the movie was Hollywood if she could, which was quite provocative. A nine-year-old Reed scrolling through his Spider-Man books coming across that picture. So this one was meant to be hard R with like really disturbing imagery. But the studio, when they started seeing the final cut, they were like, what are you guys fucking doing here? This is nuts. The main producer, he got fired. When someone saw what they were doing, they were like, wow, we have to get this down to PG. So they tried to cut an R movie to PG and it eventually landed on PG-13. And arguably should definitely still have been an R. Yeah, this one's pretty wild. I mean, even just the concept is rated R. <laughs> Forget about how they execute. <laughs> Spoiler, the whole concept is if you fuck a doodle, the doodle becomes real. Here's where I'm thinking you get to R, right? When those horny wolf boys, one of those has sex, and now we're in a straight-up horror movie. Like, that's mm. fucking crazy. Yeah, the thing I read said this was originally going to be a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So that would be horrifying. Doodle come real. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this podcast is such a curse for Sam because, you know, we're, we're joking and firing things off the top of our heads. And sometimes uh, he can't ever get those things edited out of the podcast. No, they all they, stay, they in. stay in. I think in about 10, 15, 20 episodes, there's going to be very compilation worthy, like out of context Sam's that you can just put together. They're always going to be like, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, that's the point of out of context. I. Can't wait for that. Sam, that's why they have to go in immediately, because as soon as you say it, you immediately go, okay, I shouldn't have said that. No, and it, that wasn't It's that not was like bad. you're just, yeah, you're not just blasting these things out. It's like, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> well, speaking of blasting things out, let's get back there to There you them. go. That's how <laughs> we do it. This Nerdaplexy podcast, baby. This movie is kind of reviled, but the soundtrack is actually pretty well regarded because it is primarily done by uh, David Bowie with some like special guests in there. So the music's fine it's pretty chill i dug the soundtrack for sure i listened to the intro theme this is the one that stuck out to me but for the most part there is so much going on that is just so mm -hmm. abhorrent to your eyes maybe i was distracted relentless I, I wasn't listening to the soundtrack maybe at all i feel you i watched this movie first thing i woke up made some breakfast sat down and watched this movie was pretty hungover and that was a humongous mistake this is a weird morning movie this is a nighttime movie Maybe just so uh -huh. you can go to sleep right after. <laughs> I, or right before. I, I needed some time. I needed during. some time to space <laughs> my viewing of this flick and then like it being nighttime, let me tell you. Okay, so we'll get into the plot in a minute, but let's just talk about the actual dimension that is Cool World. This must have been designed as like hell. 
right? It's like a Sin City meets Bugs Bunny. Right. Just kind of jumping ahead. But at the very end of the movie, when people are transforming into doodles, they always show a scene where they're like gross or bad in some way. And only those people transform into gnarly creatures. People Mm -hmm. who are like kind of chilled come people, it seems. I have a lot to say about the mythos of Cool World and stuff, but... Uh, Yeah, I have a lot of questions because... Oh, good. This takes place in the... starts in the 20s. It opens in 1945. 40s. In Las Vegas. So, yeah, okay. So he's coming back from World War II. Exactly, yeah. We have a military homecoming. It's Frank Harris, a.k.a. a very young Brad Pitt. He's up and coming at this time. Um, This did not help his career, that's for sure. But uh, he returns home to his mother's house and they have a, a really charming little scene where he shows off his new suit and a fresh looking motorcycle that he won in a poker game. Yes. And since it's the 40s, no helmets, no nothing. You know, they, were, they weren't really thinking a lot about safety. That's back when uh, drinking and driving was the preferred method of driving. Well, funny you should mention. Drinking and driving aside, mom left the pot of soup cooking on the stove. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> she left it on. She said, wait, Frank, the dinner. I have to go back to dinner. And then immediately they cut. Spoiler, they're riding a motorcycle. Really? Yeah, you should be worried about that. Your house is probably burnt down. <laughs> Fortunately for them, they never get to find out if the house is burnt down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 1945. That house is built out of asbestos blocks. It's fine. <laughs> Frank and his mom, they're not fine. Because like you said, there's a drunk driver. <laughs> And this movie is horny, but no one could be as horny as these two people driving drunk as shit on a desert highway. And they come around a corner and there's a huge accident. The bike goes flying. Mom goes flying. This is to Brad Pitt's credit here. The the accident happens and Frank has kind of like a PTSD moment because he's he came home from war yesterday. So he has a flashback and it's it's actually a pretty emotional scene. And he sees his mom and his mom's dead and he yells, Medic! It was a good little scene. It makes you wonder, right? So that introduces like a really cool part of his character. And then never again does he have any kind of PTSD or any other, exactly. you know, no chance There's to play like that shrapnel, out. shrapnel, smoke. Exactly. They never touch it, on that. It, it's Because it's, <laughs> it, I agree. That's what I wrote down. Like, this is a really cool scene, like really well acted. And then like, maybe this is going to be a better movie than I thought it was going to be. And then they just never, uh, never go back to that. Well, there's a one little kind of moment, and I think maybe there's something got left on the cutting room floor, because when he goes back to the real world at the very end, when he's struggling with that, mm-hmm. it seems like he's been in Cool World this whole time because he doesn't want to go back because of all the bad memory. Right. So maybe that being in the real world is what triggers that PTSD and all those feelings that come along with it. Exactly. So he has to face that to go back to save the day at the end. So there was a little moment right at the end when he's transitioning, they play all those same sounds again. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, ah, fuck it. And he goes back. But in this moment after the crash, he sees his mom and you're hearing all this. He's shouting medic. And I don't know when exactly it happens, but when he sees her dead, he basically has kind of a panic attack or something along those lines or in an episode. And it seems that when his mind kind of snaps, he is sucked into Cool World, which is basically Toontown. It's sexy, a hellscape Toontown is kind of what it is. Edgy 90s Toontown. Mm -hmm. For my edification and that of the listeners, what came first, Roger Rabbit or this? Roger Rabbit was four years before this. Four years. 
Okay, that's fascinating. And the pitch was a even sexier Roger Rabbit because people say they try to make a sexy Roger Rabbit, but like every Zemeckis movie is horny as hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, Roger Rabbit was super horny. Yes, that's like one of the horniest movies ever made. So it's like that is still somehow like acceptable for kids. Yeah, which is shockingly PG. It, but it, see, that's that's amazing, right? They're able to straddle that line and like still be gross, but also be acceptable, like an acceptable amount of grossness that a parent isn't even thinking anything of it. Is it because they're cartoons? Yeah, I think. Is that Does that make it okay? Probably. I think because there's such familiar faces in that one because they got Disney on board. There's Mickey and Bugs are all in this one. Or like Warner Brothers, like Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so Robert Zemeckis kind of made his career of straddling that line of horny movie, family movie. That's his like whole shtick. Because I think of Back to the Future. Back to the Future 1 is horny as hell. The whole concept is my dude goes back in time and his mom is hot. Like, that's the whole conceit of the film. Time travel is just how he gets to that moment. Yeah, that's challenging. Can you imagine the boardroom? Cool World or any of these movies? What's the pitch? I think in Cool World, I think literally the whole pitch is they have a a full-size poster of Hollywood with that line, Hollywood, if she could. And they're just like, ta-da. And they're like, oh, money, money, money. Because Jessica Rabbit is still, like, red hot at this time. They saw Roger Rabbit, and they said, you know, the whole time whole yes. time, all I was thinking of, what if a dude banged Jessica Rabbit? Exactly. And they're like, well, let's let's <laughs> go with that. Go with that. That's the pitch. What happens then? You got it. I think we found it. That's got to be it. Yeah, and it's so strange talking about this and Roger Rabbit in the same sentence, but you have to. But what Roger Rabbit does so well is, like, people interacting with the cartoons, it looks... A little hokey, maybe, but it's never like, this is incredibly fake. And in this movie, it is incredibly poorly done. Not to disparage the animators or what have you, but the very beginning, whenever that scientist sees Brad Pitt and he's telling him, like, oh, you've come from the real world, that opens up a lot of possibilities. Then they're, like, holding hands and walking off screen, and it's, like, so jerky and nothing fluid about it at all. And I'm thinking, why even make them hold hands at this point? Like, you don't have to show off how bad some of this stuff is. If it looks that bad, you just make them walk next to each other. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of the reason that Roger Rabbit, I think we have to make those comparisons to Roger Rabbit because they did a good job with using the characteristics of of the tunes, the Looney Tunes that were in that. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and the doodles in Cool World, and I'm going to come back to this because I can't stand it. This is one of my biggest things about this movie. Every doodle can do anything and just is completely random. It's 100% random. Whereas a Looney Tune like has limits to what they can do. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they fit into the more characteristic where it's like anything goes in Cool World. So much stuff falls out of the sky. It's insane. So strange. Well, it's just relentless. And it never stops. I think they were basically <laughs> like trying to design like what if you went to hell and hell was cartoons? I think like that's kind of what it is. And that's what it looks like because it is hard to look at these tunes alongside of real people because whereas... In Roger Rabbit, they took the time and really thought about all the shots and all the angles. I just don't think that Ralph Bakshi, who's just primarily a animation director, has the skill set to think about those things in advance. Because in something like Roger Rabbit, you're shooting real sets and adding a few cartoon elements in. And then when he goes to Toontown, it's all up against mats. But doing stuff like that is turbo expensive because you have to have these matte paintings done by actual artists 
to make them look as realistic as possible, get all the perspective, have your character there. Here, they didn't have the money or didn't really think about it from a physical directing standpoint. So what they did for the sets, when you see them in the clubs, they had artists draw the set, then blew those up really big and taped them onto plywood. And then that was the set. So they just blew them up to scale. Flat, flat pieces. Yeah, almost like um, theater design, like how you would design like a backdrop for a theater and just kind of put that put it up there. Yeah. One of the most bizarre things, too, is whenever Brad Pitt shows up in his car at the very beginning and then they try to show <sighs> like the picture from the front and it's like completely stretched out. It's so strange looking. There's a lot of perspective stuff that in like in Roger Rabbit, you just don't do. Like, they just don't do the shot because there's like, yeah, like you said, the car pulls up and the camera kind of floats from behind to the front. But doing that in animation is incredibly difficult because you not only have to do 14 different perspective shots, you also have to do every other thing in frame. And here they try it and it does not go well. The uncanny valley is so great. Those are the moments where your stomach kind of churns. I mean, I was pretty hungover, but it was giving me a headache just looking at some of these frames early on. You had mentioned that this is like hell as a cartoon. What it must be is that Cool World exists in everybody's subconscious. It's real and it's in your brain because... You find out later that the artist for everything is Gabriel Byrne's character, Jack Deebs. And you have to wonder, okay, Cool World existed in 1945. It had to be before Jack Deebs was ever born. So it's always been there. He thinks he's created it, but really he's able to tap into his subconscious where he's getting these ideas from a very real realm. Yeah, he's just contributing to it. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. When Frank first crosses over and he meets Dr. Whiskers, and Dr. Whiskers has been trying to get to the real world <laughs> with a, a portal scientist. machine. <laughs> yeah, so there's going to be a lot of jargon here, guys. So, like, let me just get it. So, <laughs> Dr. Whisker is the scientist man. He's opened a portal from Cool World to the real world where he views Frank crossing over. He's using the spike of power to ripple in reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now, okay, so here's the thing. It's it's a little deceiving because you may think that him viewing with the spike of power Frank crossover caused Frank to cross over, but untrue. It's because Frank, as he puts it later in the movie, went nutso. So he lost his mind, basically, is what they're saying. He had a mental break and was transported to Cool World. But I think maybe because he was looking with the spike or whatever, it, op- it crossed over. But when Frank gets there, the doctor says, you're the first person to ever cross over to Cool World in your body. Mm-hmm. I think people astral project. And I think maybe this is something Deebs would do, would kind of like dream or astral project into Cool World. And then he thought, I have created this, but he had just been like running around. So well, let's actually get to Jack Deebs. He is a prisoner. It's now 1992. And he is in his jail cell. He's getting out tomorrow. And what did you think of Jack Deebs's digs in there? His little fucking studio. Did we, did we ever learn what he was in for? Yeah, he killed his, his wife's lover. I miss that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Blink and you miss it, mention. Blink yeah, and you don't... miss it, but then he's just out of jail. And he's, he's out of jail. <laughs> and his house is chill as fuck. Yeah. How long his has he house been is in jail? Well, imagine, yeah, imagine he's probably pretty rich whenever he went to jail because he's this highly esteemed comic writer because he goes into that comic shop and they're making him sign stuff and they're selling signed okay. copies of his stuff for 150 bucks. Because I, I thought that too. I'm like, he gets out and he's like immediately like has so much money. But the weirdest thing I thought about jail, besides that his room was like pretty balled out, which again can be explained by saying, Money. Rich guy 
goes to a really low security jail or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, the stipulation is I need to have a drawing table and all this other stuff. You get to make the rules when you're rich. So that's not too far fetched. But what I thought was weird was when he was leaving jail, how the other inmates kind of treated it like he had graduated. They were like, oh, hey, man, like, hey, see you later. Like, you know, like dapping him up on his way out. I'm like, I don't know. Keep in touch, bro. K-I-T. Keep in touch. Exactly. Stay the same, man. That's such a movie thing. Such a movie thing. Or maybe that's what it's really like. I don't know. I've never been to jail and got out. Maybe he drew them sexy pictures of women. That's true. That, that's actually pretty and good he's currency. Like, Yo, Debs, give me that sexy hot lady. That's pretty so good currency. I can take it back to my cell later. What a fucking marketable skill, huh? Especially in like the nineties, like before porn and stuff like that. But lonely guys in prison. I mean, not before porn, but the availability. So if we were to give any advice from this podcast, if you intend on breaking the law and going to jail for a very long time, learn to draw. Nude. Learn to draw nudes. I mean, (laughs) study fermentation. I mean, toilet wine is is big, I hear. Yeah, make some pruno. I understand that there's yeast in ketchup packets, and basically you just put some orange peels in a garbage bag with some ketchup, and that yeast will, you know, whatever, you have to burp it every so so often. And of course. That's a depth of knowledge I didn't expect you to have on toilet wine. (laughs) Yeah, a little, little pruno. I've, he got that one in the chamber. I've never been to prison. He's no ready. Like, we didn't talk about this. No. There's no editing. There was no pause. He just kept going. He's ready for it. I'm just saying, you have to know these things. Hey, especially in these these trying times, we're all in this together. What if the state store closes? You need to learn to make some toilet wine. Lockdown was tough on all of us. I get it. You just look these things up just as a, as a just in case, you know? If you've ever made toilet wine, reach out to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah, send us send any. Us I don't want to try it. <laughs> did you see doodles and did you start tripping and see actual real doodles or what well deep deep's deep's got doodles on the brain he's fresh out of prison but he's not adapting well so yeah he has an episode flash of yellow light and he's sucked into cool world dropped off right at hollywood's nightclub he falls out of the sky for the first of like 20 times which i think they thought was going to be a pretty good bit but then i was starting to think like this is too much too much too often so that is an interesting part i'd love to see a stat to see how long holly dances in this movie like what's the total screen time what's the yeah count? as soon as you see her start dancing hit the stopwatch she basically is dancing the entire time she's on screen and she's on screen for a very long time that's like the whole movie basically the first time she's done she's done it she's dancing for two minutes straight just two minutes straight i'm gonna throw out a, a ballpark guess i'm gonna say okay 19 minutes of dancing I think that's fair. Including the dance club scene where she even starts singing. I include mm. that. Oh, in yeah, the, okay. Yeah, that, spoiler, that fits. In the real world, real Holly. Yeah, this movie is, I think, is like, what, 142? Something along those lines. So I'd say like a solid half hour. I'd venture. Probably 20 plus minutes is, I think, where we put that. There's just so much filler. Every time they pan to a new scene, yes, it's like the director just had to throw in some irreverent stuff like, let's have some doodles beat the shit out of each other for at least 45 seconds. That's every transition. Every- it ju- that that I didn't mind the music. I did not mind the scenery. I did not mind the um the shoddy background and the, mm-hmm. and the animations. What killed me is that they just had all this random doodle stuff going on. This movie could be cut down to probably forty real minutes of any plot. Let me say, I didn't absolutely hate the movie. I didn't hate the film, but all that random and I get they're trying to make it seem as chaotic and and hellish as possible, but it didn't do anything. It didn't lend itself. To what happened because anytime something important happened it was very chill like two characters are suddenly talking on screen it's just fine 
it does build to something though because as i'd said stuff falls out of the sky constantly (laughs) and something during the final scene is they show up in the clouds that there's angels that are just constantly throwing things off out of the clouds there's dog angels dropping (laughs) i think it's like those are the guys that did it it was right you could get away with it if it was like twice in the movie if you have like two two minute scenes that didn't necessarily have to do with anything but they just show you give give you the feel of where you're at but you get enough right, setup right. whenever you follow around some of the seedy underbelly which you do kind of right here where we see sparks he's going to holly's club as well and he's got these these sparks and the goons favorite character favorite character and these goons following him and he throws out while these goons are following him to, to get them to stop following him i guess uh-huh. these Best demon tokens the wooden nickels wooden nickels that that have like demons in them sentient sentient and you'd think oh well that's a very weird but it's unique it's something i've never seen you know in a movie you know it's it's it seems like such a weird idea and it's also not electricity based in any way shape or form you'd think from sparks right exactly but he's got kind of a lightning (laughs) bolt haircut or like a like a turd kind of looks like but anyway you would expect there to be some other scene with him throwing those again, and it never happens again. Uh-uh. And the, those wooden nickels, they clean up the, the ruffians in the alley. Yeah, they return to him. They're uh, heavily featured in the video games, the many cool world games, because that's a cool design. It's a cool thing. Yeah, they, they never touched on it. Maybe that was some of the things that got cut, the scary, sentient wooden nickels. But um... Or it's the reverse, where they got created because they're like, well, the video game doesn't have any cool weapons as a hook <laughs> so what can we do to throw in the movie just so that you could say that's why this happens in the in the not that they ever really cared about plot of video game back in 1992 but yeah no it's just can't can we make a video game about this perfect and the answer to that question from 1989 to like 1994 was always yes yeah <laughs> yeah can we talk about the demise of sparks because i did like sparks as a character design He's one of the only doodles in the movie that has a cohesive design, top to bottom. He's a tough guy, mobster dude. He has like an image. He's wearing cool sunglasses. He's rough. He's tough. He kicked those guys' ass with a bunch of nickels. And then they came back to his hand and he didn't even look at them. Mm. He just caught them and didn't even look. That's a pretty cool guy thing to do. And then consistently throughout the movie, the only cool guy, tough guy character gets consistently beat up by Frank Harris without even a thought. Maybe it's a perspective thing. Like, you've seen how badass this guy is, but up against a real person, it's like no match. Because they say something about the noids, as it were, all real people. The humans, humans in in Cool World have a lot of power because they can affect doodles in a permanent way, as we see later with the fountain pen. I can get on board with that. But yeah, no, so that was just my one gripe. Like, you know, the one cool guy character, he even helps them out at one point. And gives them a heads up. And Sparks is like, yo, t- yo, they're doing it. Annoyed in, yeah. a, annoyed in a doodle or doing it. Out of jealousy. Yeah, and so then... out of jealousy, he <laughs> he drops a dime. Okay, that makes sense. He likes Holly, but Holly... Holly's only into noids. Right. Which is short because... for humanoids, in case you guys didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, there you go. I, I thought... I th- yeah, I just thought, whatever. <laughs> There's so much <laughs> bullshit in this go. movie, I never even blinked. <laughs> There's a lot to glaze over. Mm-hmm. Just... To Jake's point, I think Sparks is an interesting example of why this movie 
has a lot of interesting stuff in it, but fundamentally doesn't work because Sparks is great. His wooden nickels are fucking dope. That's one of the coolest things in the movie. But then you've got things like the goons and all those little interstitials with all that crazy bullshit. And Ralph Bakshi is an animation guy and he hired a bunch of people fresh out of Cal Arts, which is like the big animation school. Disney picks are, they're all Cal Arts people. And I think he just kind of said to the, these guys, go nuts. Like, it's do cool everything. world, baby. Just do yeah. your thing. Exactly. It's jazz. Do do anything and everything. And then this was Ralph Bakshi also his first time working with a real studio. He said on multiple occasions, I knew how the studios worked. You have to play by their rules. He was like, but I had never worked with them, so I never thought it would happen to me, basically. And so he fought and pushed back against the studio so much and to such a degree. He was sued over the screenplay. Uh, he was sued over like just filming the movie. They fired his producer. They did all this kind of uh, crazy stuff. And he never worked in Hollywood again. This is his first and only. Ouch. Everything else he had worked independently. People took to calling him, by the way, the human stain. Because everywhere he would go, he would leave like cigarette residue, coffee stains, sweat stains. They, they called him the human stain. On set? Yeah. On set. That comes through in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is a greasy, grimy movie. It was super greasy. And that's like, I, I don't know. I hate to like just keep harping because I didn't like actively hate the whole thing. But like there's no uniformity in the doodles. And I guess it's because there's a bunch of college students fresh out of like animation school making them but like there's no uniformity and i know it's supposed to be this crazy place but at some Mm -hmm. point it works on a comic book page having like this crazy different doodles it works on a still picture i looked at some of the stills and disclaimer i've never read a cool world comic but it doesn't translate to film having all these random there's no cohesiveness in terms of doodle world and like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just finding things to pick apart, but I don't think I am. It just doesn't work. You got bears beating up little bunnies and stuff. It's just, it's crazy. At one point, they're having a cop car chase. (laughs) Did you guys see this? Yes. The car has a butt. The Uh car has a giant butt with butt cheeks. And it's got titties. And the the cops, the cops are chasing it. Little like animated cops. And to, to the credit... They are all cohesive and they all look the same, which is great. I like that. They come the up poppers. and the car, poppers. The cop car has a cannon. The cop car has a cannon. Of course. And yes. it shoots the cannon up the other car's butt. <laughs> I don't know if you got that, but they shot the cannon up Hollywood's car's butt. Yes. Right, that did happen right up. Right before Slash, the demon baby um pissed on them until they died Mm. well until they crashed right now you said the poppers are uniform but interestingly enough that is what brad pitt's character has become a popper himself Mm. and his uh cohort nails Nails, the spider also doesn't look anything like the rest of the poppers so no no Do well, those are just street in, poppers. They nails don't even and, work in the same precinct. Nails and Franks. Yeah, they're detectives. Right. right. Now, yeah, this might be the closest like... thing to a comic convergence we'll, we'll get. But I did read okay. the prequel series for Cool World, at least as much of it as I could stomach. Okay. And what you find <laughs> out is... Warm, lukewarm world. Yeah. What you find out is that as soon as Brad Pitt has entered this world, he sort of assimilates into it as a criminal. And everybody's afraid of him because, as you said, the humans or the noids are stronger against the cartoons, the doodles in their world than they are to him. 
so he can beat anybody up as he pleases and rob stores and rob banks. And I think eventually he just kind of quits that life in favor of being a cop and mm-hmm. finding something, some reason to live there because he has no reason to go home. Right. Thank you for telling Ooh, me that's that. Good. Because in the movie, from point A to point B, Frank Harris, Brad Pitt gets sucked into Cool World. And the next scene he's in, he's a detective. Yeah. Did uh, I miss something? That's exactly what I wrote down. No. Did I miss something? <laughs> there, there was no explanation of him being a cop. It doesn't say 50 years later. It doesn't say anything. If it had said that, that would be fine. There's like a one little ADR moment, I feel like, right when they're walking through that tunnel. He's like, I think you'd make a good cop. Oh, so let's explore the world together. And the next scene, he pulls up and he's grilling somebody about info. What the heck? Yeah, slapping dudes around. I, that must have been left on the cutting room floor, man. I don't know. That it actually explains why they would need they feel the need to create a prequel comic. Because it's like, if you care at all about this movie, you'll read this and then you'll say, oh, he was a criminal. There was a big boss guy named the big boss and they end up at odds and he ends up defeating the boss and then deciding to be a cop. And Nails is also a criminal and that's how they, they met each other being criminals. But then they turn policemen. I think that makes me like this movie just a little bit more. Just a hair. Just knowing that little background. I'm serious. Yeah. I do want to mention that uh, there is an expanded Cool World universe. I'd love to have someone else read it and tell me all about it. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Nails is a transplant character from uh, an earlier uh, Ralph Bakshi work. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I did read that same voice actor and a spider. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same guy. Uh, this is where I wrote that uh, <laughs> that Gabriel Burns getting out of prison. And, uh, literally, one of the prisoners says, stay cool, man. Stay cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> In, in the original cut of the script, Gabriel Byrne was a tattoo artist. So, you know, that's why, like, Hollywood was one of his creations, kind of like the dancing lady on Pete and Pete. Right. And in the comics, Brad Pitt's character has a relationship with Hollywood until he gets taken away and put in jail. And she springs him and says, well, since I sprung you from jail, you have to do it to me. And he's like, enough. And she kicks him out of her club. So that explains the bad blood. Yeah, they don't get along no. very well. So he's a cop now, like you guys said, and his main function and the one rule of Cool World is noids do not have sex with doodles. And he shows up to tell Jack Deep that, hey, Holly's going to try to fuck you, ma'am, but you can't. Yeah. You and can't. he busts out his badge and it's the worst looking thing I've ever seen. It's like moving all around in his hand. Brad Pitt's doing his level best. They could have just as easily just given him a prop and it would have been fine. Mm. Or like a, just a cartoonishly <laughs> large badge that's like in like there day glow colors yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an actual drawing. They took a lot of the swings in this movie. They go out of their way to show you what they can't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, that, speaking of Roger Rabbit, that, oh, the reason that works is because in movie time, you're only in Toontown for five minutes. It's mostly in the real world with some elements. In this it's one real character in a totally cartoon world. And the seams show much more in that instance. Um, but Ralph Bakshi actually was kind of a huge proponent of rotoscoping, which is basically, if you're not familiar with the technique, you just f- film a scene and then animators go shot by shot and basically color over and then animate the person on top. Frame by frame. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I think that's how they shot every Holly scene. 
It was yes. a real lady dancing and grooving and moving. Lonette as well. And to that credit, the Hollywood, they spent all their time on Holly's dances because they're some of the best animation in the whole thing. Looks great. That's like his signature. And I think it would have done the film more of a service if more of it was that. But I guess people looked down on it for some reason. Like it wasn't OG enough or something. Is it the, is it the equivalent of like animators tracing? Kind of. But they said that with CG. And now look, you can't do a movie without it. Freaking Brokeback Mountain, all the cheaper CG. It's like, you know, the nowhere is immune from CG in this world today i learned i didn't know yeah i didn't know that stick around for cool world and you'll hear a good brokeback mountain trivia truth to tell i just listened to the blank check about that episode ah, okay. so the, they, they cracked the story on that one guys hey come on the show griffin we'd love to have you so the whole plot is that jack deebs thinks he created hollywood and that she's bringing him to cool world so they can be together and that's kind of true she's like calling out to him it's like her siren because she wants them to hook up so that she can become a real woman in the real world. I don't know how she has done this, but she acquires bits of ephemera that have kind of like fallen through the universe or something like that. And she's made herself to be in the image of like a Marilyn Monroe. Okay, so let's get into a little mythos time here. At the very end, when she transforms into that clown personage, I believe that that is her actual doodle form. But through an effort of will, she has shaped herself into like a more Marilyn Monroe type, thinking that that will get her the most chance of hooking up and becoming real. Super effective. It really worked really well. But she is actually that that weird clown creature at the end. It worked. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's how they pitch this movie, just Hollywood, because, yeah, it looks great. It's incredible. Her animation is flawless, super overtly sexual in every scene. But there's some good moments. Like you said, Jake, almost all of the great moments are undercut by a unfortunate interstitial. Holly gets a visit from Frank and Frank's like, hey, do not have sex with that Noid. Do not have sex with Jack Thebes. Because, like, the world will basically explode. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And he leaves. And the last thing he says is, keep your legs closed. And it's a shot of her on the bed. And she slowly opens her legs. Her dress is hanging between. So it's fine. But it's like this awesome feminist power movement. Like, don't tell me what to do. And then it's immediately undercut because a bunch of wolves in suits and cats pop out of everywhere and go, (laughs) They're, like, stamping their feet. Eyeballs popping out of their heads. Yeah. Every seat. Do you think in the first draft of Pinocchio? Okay. All right. Geppetto has sex with Pinocchio to make him a real boy. <laughs> See, Sam, this is this is worrying me because this isn't one of the times where you immediately went back on. <laughs> Do you think his nose was the the actual final cut thing that grew? Or? Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Well, Jake gotcha. He beat you there. Yeah. So that's fine. You're out, you're out of the woods here, baby. <laughs> Double negative makes a positive. So back in the real world. Jack's been having mind slips. That's why he's been flipping back and forth between cool world and real world. And I guess to massage his ego or to like get a better look at Hollywood, which I believe is what he's doing. Jack goes to a comic book store and buys every comic of his. So I'm going to give him credit on this and say that he didn't start writing cool world till he was in jail. Or these are the ones like he had never seen in the real comic. Because other than that, this feels like a really weird Californication going to buy your own book thing. I think it was only done to create exposition. Where will people know who Jack uh, Deeps is? The comic book store. Why would uh, Jack Deeps be going to the comic book store? 
I don't know. Maybe he wants to own copies of all of his comics so that he can dig in get and, recognized because they even throw in there where the guy's like oh you, why don't you kill your kill your wife's boyfriend and again or something stupid hey deeds why don't you do a book on that guy you murdered you know that guy you found in bed with your wife <laughs> like it's, compl- <laughs> it's i mean it made more sense than that than, than i gave it credit it, it for was, but... it was a taunt they're like we need to get this detail across how do we mm-hmm. do it like have some man shout it yeah why don't you do a comic about killing your wife's lover like you did in real life and were convicted for <laughs> And that's why you're in prison at the beginning of this movie. I mean, last week. (laughs) That's why you were just released from prison after 10 long years. Is that why you're buying all your comic books? (laughs) You wrote them in prison and you've never seen them in real life. You loser. I don't know. What is that? (laughs) It's something. It's basically what that scene is. The movie's fucking two hours long. Like, there's a hundred better ways to do that. But whatever. Whatever. It's the only reason they possibly could have done it, though. I will say here. Loved the look of the clerk at this comic book store. She was great. Her whole fucking outfit was on point. I couldn't tell you what she looked like. This was like a fever dream. Think of like the rhythm guitarist in the bangles. I'm thinking of it. Walk like an Egyptian. Yes. There you go. That's the you aesthetic. Okay. That's the look. That's the 1992 look. It's good. It's a great look. But she's very weird. This whole comic book store exchange, well, I wish doodles were leaking into the real world. I wish that's what they did with this movie, that like doodles were seeping into reality and he's like wrestling with, am I going crazy or doodles a real thing? Like he's sitting in his apartment and a fucking lamp morphs into Hollywood and he's like, come to cool world, as opposed to him constantly going there. Yeah, it it makes a lot more sense that he would do that versus like, I'm going to go have sex with my own drawing. Yeah. <laughs> that just seems like the biggest horn dog move. Like, okay, have sex with someone else's drawing, but in your head, <laughs> that's your drawing. You made it. It's very masturbatory. <laughs> Why are you getting off on your drawing? I'm not here to shame anyone that gets off on other people's drawings. That's fine. Hey, if you want to, if you want to doodle your doodle, sir, sir, that's yours. You can doodle your own. That's doodle. how roll. That's how all roll 34 content is creating because they want to do their own doodle. That's yours. But you don't go to another existence to go do it. You just do it in your, like, bedroom, like everyone else. (laughs) You don't go to another plane of existence to seek it out. That's crazy. (laughs) That's the craziest thing. Okay. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I guess we all create worlds we want to live in. Let's say that. So maybe he thought he created a cool world and it just aligned with his aesthetic. He's a stone cold freak. He wants to get with Hollywood and she's all about it. And they juxtapose that scene of him getting with Hollywood with Brad Pitt and Lonette not being able to do it. He even says, Mm, I'm like a plug without a sock, uh, baby. baby. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) He probably said, he probably said, baby. Um, He's got a girlfriend that he lives with that he just can't do it to. It's heartbreaking for us. The viewers that, but admirable, honestly, admirable. admirable he yeah. sticks to his True. his decree. Don't yeah. do it with noids, and he sticks to it yeah. the whole time. Right? They find out that Hollywood's trying to get Deebs to do it with her, and then to get into this party that Holly is throwing, they have to scale the really tall building she lives in, I guess. <laughs> and you find out really important detail: Nails is allergic to clouds. I am allergic to clouds. He's trying to scale the wall. He's allergic to clouds. <laughs> You know, Um, but he does eventually get in and he basically tells Holly like, hey, don't do it. And he smokes a cartoon cigarette, which like shakes like all hell in his hand. Yeah. (laughs) But then Deebs does make it into this here party that's thrown. And uh, all the goons know that he's going to go doodle the doodle. (laughs) And uh, and they want to watch. That was an interesting part. 
they all wanted to. Should we uh, talk about the reaction of the goon squad, the little gang with the, mm-hmm. with the what's his name? Nate Sharps slash. Slash. What is the reaction after they've already finished? That was a little uncomfortable um, for me. The whole thing was a little <laughs> bit, it's, it's, a little, it's a little strange. I'm thinking about this kind of like a hell plane in kind of like a D&D sense. So you've got your different like levels of like hell and whatnot. And you got like little imps and little demons and then you graduate and grow. So I think the concept in Cool World is that the more humanoid you are, the more like a real human you look, that is like representative of your power in the world because humans in Cool World have such incredible power. And they mentioned that they only cross over when you're going nuts because Frank tells Jack, like, hey, man, cool it because you're going crazy. And that's the only reason why you're being here. These mind slips, like you're losing it. And Holly's like playing into that. So, I, you know, you just have people like having psychotic episodes and then being in your world. That's like the Hulk kind of just like pops in and can like these beings are mortal. I, anyhow, so acting more human and less tune. I think is like a way to transition because Slash seems to be higher in an echelon than like the big gorilla guy or like the wild girl who kisses everybody. So like they're emulating human behaviors because that is like their ideal. They've come to this point and they're maybe vying for reincarnation or something, another chance at the real world. Because, you know, all ghosts and demons and stuff always want to get back to the real maybe just being exposed to more human-esque behaviors is why they're voraciously horny because someone is having sex i mean you see the same thing in like a friday the 13th where everyone is so pumped to like see janie and tom do it in the fucking boat shed like i don't know i think that uh that slash and all these people are kind of to go with your D &D thing they're chaotic evil so they see this consummation as something that's going to destroy the world or send them to the real world as you see so rule breaking just in general yeah there's there's something that interests them in the destruction of existence as it stands huh yeah they stand to gain because what's the worst that could happen they just don't exist anymore like who cares yeah interesting i love that that's a great take but yeah like you said the goons are trying to like build a junk tower to watch holly and jack bone they do Uh, bone they do consummate this thing right as the goons make it all the way to the top visualized by a gigantic explosion Mm -hmm. um they fucking seal the deal and holly becomes real and transforms into vicky vale kim bassinger yeah vicky vale vicky vale nails because he's made of ink because he's a doodle. She sucks him up into the fountain pen. And as you know, things that pens are known for, drawing mm-hmm. in ink. <laughs> well, I think maybe like a fountain pen does, actually. Well, from an, well they, from, they do draw. But these are drawn they, they drawings. They do draw in ink, but they also could draw <laughs> in ink. Yeah, that's exactly Yeah, because those when you like dip them in like an ink well, and then like you like use a little tube, and it fills it up, and then it comes yeah, out. Yeah, but I would, I would argue that, well, that's a silly argument, but nails is not an ink well. Nails is a finished, completed drawing. Made of ink, though. Yeah, but I think you need, like, a rubbing alcohol or something. I stand to that logic because that's cartoon logic. That's, like, think of a Tiny Toons where Daffy Duck is being erased by an eraser. You know what I mean? His bill. Yeah, but that's an eraser. Eraser is known for erasing things. (laughs) I 
stand. You can't. I stand you that can't. This you is can't a, argue. This, that's a well-known comic trope: is sucking su- a cartoon character no. up in a fountain pen. Hit us up at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or at nerdaplexypod on Twitter because this is a debate that we will not solve, and we're going to debate this. While we do, let's hear from our sponsors. I don't know how long this episode's going to be, but we still got a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> I only got two more pages of notes. Can't be that much left. So we are back in it. Holly and Jack, they're about to step over into the real world. They sucked up nails, and they are leaving this place. And I guess that once you're in Cool World, they just seem to, like, will themselves back to the real world. And we get a scene with Lonette and Frank where she intimates that he has had the option to leave this whole time. But this is like we were talking about earlier If he goes back to the real world, he has to contend with the idea that his mother is dead and that all of his trauma is real as opposed to this kind of escapist fantasy of the cool world. His mom has been dead for 50 years at this point, too. Does he know that? Like, do cool world years transfer? He knows how many years he's been there because he says as much. I feel like he does say it. 50 years ago. He doesn't age inside a cool world. I think he should have busted out of there and been like an old man. I think that'd have been cool. Just like a 70-year-old dude. Oh, that'd have been cool. Yeah, and then yeah. that creates its own, oh, why is it hard for him to get a hold of Kim Basinger? Oh, because he's super old. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play old Brad Pitt in the 90s? Brad Pitt. To that point, because I had wondered about that, but you guys kind of finished this for me because humans are turbo powerful in Cool World, but when noodles come to the real world, they have all the power. Because then they're squishing boys with anvils like nothing. So maybe since she's part doodle, part human, she's like a demigod kind of in the real world. Maybe that's why. Because like, yeah, it is it is weird. They have a chase scene and she like easily escapes him in heels. Yeah, they should have just done the same thing they did in Benjamin Button when they make him look old. You right. know, a little prosthesis. <laughs> Yeah, just Benjamin Button. He's Brad Pitt. Yeah, Why would you do the Benjamin do Button thing? I mean, granted, 10, 15 years before Benjamin Button came out, but the technology was there, I think, still. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that. They just make him real sweaty. It's really hot in Vegas. He is a dry oh, heat. Oh, actually, you know what? Holy shit, I just realized this because I had like been curious about that, but I just cracked it. When he comes back, he's all sweaty and bloody and beat up. And I was thinking, what the fuck happened? Did he like fall he came back to his motorcycle accident self. Ah. Yes, that's it, exactly. So that 50 years didn't even really exist for him. So maybe that's why when he transitions back, he has to start feeling those emotions again. Because when he goes to Cool World, it's like a pause, and he doesn't even have to exist in that Nothing fucking frame. Or... in between. Right, and obviously he's fairly injured. That would also explain why Exactly. he's not in great shape to be chasing down Kim Basinger. He just got hit by a car. He literally was just in a motorcycle. and Oh, my God. He's been concussed for 50 years. That's why he's been chilling with these goons and stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, that could be. His state of mind is not right. All right, guys. We're rewriting this thing. It all makes sense. I will say that, I mean, it has been doing wonders for him. I think Lynette and having a stable relationship has really been helping him get past a lot of his traumas. I mean, he does. It took him 50 years, but he's... He kind of, I think in that final moment, comes to terms with the accident and his role in it and his PTSD. And it's like, you know, I I need to do what's right. I need to finally go back and, like, make amends. And then he thinks, like, oh, shit, dinner's still on. 
We have to go turn the stove off. I got to get that <laughs> stove, baby. But that's all taken up because we got to do some spike of power stuff. Spike of power. Power. Spike of power? Spike of power. Spike of power. Playoffs. <laughs> Playoffs. <laughs> they say it 300 fucking times in like the last 10 minutes of this movie. My spike works. Biggest Benny made the spike. Spike of power. The what? Spike could heal me. Biggest Benny put the spike at the top of the casino. There is no spike of power. There's got to be a spike of power. Didn't you touch the spike? I need the force in that spike. That power doesn't belong to you. The spike. It's up to me to return the spike. (laughs) It's up to me to return the spike and plug the hole. Give me the spike. Return the spike. Maybe the spike protected them. Yeah, because you've easily forgotten about it 45 minutes ago. They only say, they say spike of power one time in the first hour and 20 minutes of the movie. You almost forget what it was. The only scene was with Dr. Whiskers. Yeah, that's why they're like, remember the spike of power? The reason why mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is able to ever go into Cold World and the reason why anybody can ever go out, why Vegas Vinny was able to escape, he used the spike of power. Yeah, do you guys remember that thing, that major plot point? <laughs> it's here again. The only plot point, maybe? It's literally like, this is like season fucking two. It's so out of nowhere. Well, because this movie is so relentless and there's so much nonsense and visual noise. You're an hour and 30 minutes deep in fucking cool world. My mind was just melted. I was so happy to get back to the real world and see like actual humans in real actual spaces. I actually, while watching this movie, uh, had a mind slip and did enter cool world for some time. (laughs) Yeah. Who did you kick it? Yeah, with? I was. Uh, it was me. It was nails. Oh, nails. yeah. He was okay. having a party and stuff, and then like I got pulled right back in and had to watch the rest of the movie, which, which is a trauma that I wasn't ready for. I needed fifty or so years in Cool World before I could come back and finish this. <laughs> it was certainly damaging. And honestly, there's a great moment. So they both teleport back into jack's house and his like nosy neighbors who who are these fucking people they've literally kicked down his door twice in two days this girl is just like roped into the plot and she drives them into the union casino to get the spike of power or something i don't care just really reinforces the fact that jack deebs was not in prison for long enough that his neighbors still remember him and be like oh it's this guy such a chummy relationship with their neighbor well you know he was famous Real chill with the man who went to jail for fucking murder. For murder? Yeah. It was a crime of passion. Oh, just coming to check out, making sure your house is okay. I think he has a real arc here, okay? He commits a crime of passion. He does the time. We don't know if he actually did. It feels like it's been a year, maybe. He just spent a year He's in He's very rich, so probably less. It's probably it six be. months and a slap on the wrist. Look, we've seen people being able to take people in and out of Cool World. Maybe Jack Deebs... Let's headcanon this shit. What if Jack Deeves, he walks in, he sees his wife in bed with another man, he goes to rough him up, has a mind slip, and then fucking plunks this dude in Cool World. He comes back, guy's still in Cool World, where's the body? Charged with murder. Mm. Ralph, if that was your intention, if that was on the cutting room floor, hit me up. Ralph's going to listen to this, because I think he probably, he has his podcatcher set anytime the words cool and world or in the same sentence, he gets <laughs> alerts from, from Google. He's like 75 years old. He definitely does. He'll definitely listen to this. I've, I've received some personal emails from... Ralph um, Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi himself. He said people have started doing, like, 
showings. They had a showing of Cool World in like L.A. and like Felix the Cat in like Portland. He's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I love it. Thanks. He he must just started getting residual checks Probably. one day. And he was like, what? Like what? You paying me now for this? Like okay, the human stain is getting checks through the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty years later. <laughs> so I'm thinking, did his mind slip start before he went to jail? The, see that I don't know. The trauma there of seeing his wife with another man. He started slipping into yeah, the probably world. accelerated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now he's now and he starts ranking the comics because he keeps he keeps mind slipping. Right. He's like, I've created this, and then maybe he's he has a short sentence illusion. due to temporary insanity, because he says, "No, I didn't do it. Possibly, it was a cartoon bunny, and I saw it. I saw it all happen." I, I mean, you know, and like he's like realizing he's like, "Yeah, I had a psychotic break. I thought this, and I've been I've been rationalizing that trauma through my art, and it's very successful, and it's helping people." And eh, it's probably the parole board. It's like, "Yeah, dude, fucking get out of here." And then also maybe paid him off. I don't know. He's got money. Maybe his publisher paid them off. I mean, hey, we don't know how deep this fucking goes, guys. We know he had to have money before prison. So he didn't start writing Cool World in prison because he had a house already. Yeah, because his house is like decked out already. It's very cool and artistic. The the production design in in the real world spaces, I think, is ah, masterpiece. The costumes, I think, are great. There's lots of good stuff in this movie. But here's what I'm saying. If we got the back sheet cut of this movie... I need a four-hour fucking cut mm. of Cool World so that I could erase my mind completely after that. Hashtag release the Bakshi cut. Uh, yes, please, please. Okay, so let's wrap this fucking thing up. We got we to gotta get out of this. This is crazy. So there's a huge standoff. There's a weird scene where now that she's real, Holly ditches Jack, and they have a moment, but then she becomes half-doodle, half-person, and he does the same Something was transmitted. She became mm. half real and half tune, and he became half doodle during the process. And it's basically destroying both worlds. A DTD. Uh, a DTD. Um, a doodle transmitted mm-hmm. disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge standoff. Holly gets to the top of this thing. She's going to take out the spike of power. Frank goes to stop him. She doodles out becoming her original self, as I see it, her original doodle form, and pushes Frank from the building. He falls and unfortunately dies. Nails emerges from a pen, mourns for the loss of his friend, and Jack realizes it's now his time to be the hero and grows his doodle arms. (laughs) It then becomes a Superman, but it's not in time because she pulls the spike of power and unleashes doodles. Spike of power. Spike of power. Spike of power. The spike of power. And releases doodles into the world. It's like a plug. It's like a plug without a socket now. Or or a socket without a plug. Baby. <laughs> baby. And all the do- I don't know if all he the says baby bit in my head. It'll always be baby. <laughs> Frank. So the doodle power has now caused all of the shit heels in Vegas. And there's a lot of them. Some of them turn into doodle monsters. Some are just killed by regular doodles. It's a huge thing. The doodle okay. monsters... Maybe yeah. those were originally doodles that entered the world by doodling. They're just getting outed now. Right. Now that the corpse maybe they're old. they've yeah. they've doodled their way through. That, but they're in the casino see. that's under the spike of power. The old oh spike, spike of, power. of power. Spike of power. The old ladies, yeah. They and that that lizard man. Mm. No one yeah, seems yeah. upset oh, that they get transformed either. They just keep doing their thing. They're like, I'm well, an alligator like now. I'm fine. That's fine. 
I think the doodle process, it's like the matrix. When you go into like cool world, you become the truest version of yourself. Consider that that it wouldn't be the first time because Vegas Vinny was was able to hide under the radar for quite some time. He was laying pretty low. But did he always do? Okay, so we see we finally meet Vegas Vinny and we find out Vegas Vinny is actually the doctor from the beginning who was messing with the spike of power. Dun, 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 dun. Dr. Whiskers, Whiskers spike, spike of power. power. But he was wearing a trench coat and scarf around his face and a hat mm-hmm. like the invisible man. So Classic. was he always a tune in the real world? Or did he slowly return to his tune self and then have to figure out a way to compensate? And that's why nobody's heard of Vegas Vinny in so long. I believe that he used the spike, spike of power, power. to cross over into the mm-hmm. real world he was humanoid oh, right. in, so he in didn't nature, get tricked to do he, it right no because like real people can cross between at will so yeah he had to at use willy the sop now do you think at willy now but he lives in vegas he could have hired a <laughs> prostitute or whatever he I, he only has to release one little bit of him to people don't maybe know. maybe he knew about the ddt and he didn't oh, want yeah, to get ddt you know I'm just saying, yeah. this is all Dr. Whiskers' fault, 100%. 100%, I agree now, with you. I don't know. Everything. It's one of those things. Like, eventually, someone would have found out about the spike of power. There's a huge moment. Everyone's becoming doodles. Jack becomes a kind of Ren and Stimpy-esque superhero and fights Holly for the spike. It's a whole big battle. Here's a moment where we have two doodles in a doodle world. And it looks great. Mm-hmm. The stuff with nails when he's just moving through the world, that all works 100% for me. You mean doodle in the real world? Even when, like, you know, you're just following nails, when there's no real elements, it's just a cartoon. I think it looks great. This last big scene with them, the huge battle and things like that, I think it looks cool. The visuals are psychedelic and trippy and very interesting. But then I think the issue is mushing them together. But at the very end, they emerge victorious and the spike gets back. And, what spike? Uh, oh, spike spike power. power. They spike it back in. That plug finds its socket and all is well except Frank is dead. And I believe that you can always cross back at will to your own world, I think getting to the other world is the problem because Nails very easily goes back to Cool World, taking Frank's body to inform Lynette. And there's moments of mourning and they lament. And then she says, wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. How was he killed? Was he done in by a doodle? He was pushed by Holly. And yeah, well, she was in doodle form. They're like, oh, well, obviously, then he's going to resurrect as a doodle. And seemingly, Frank's corpse didn't know this, but once he heard it, it was all good. A little doodle ex machina. <laughs> doodle ex machina. He was just really hamming it up, waiting for the perfect Yeah, and, and then, he, then he stands up and he says, Hot dog, dig it, dig me. And then, hubba bubba, baby, what do you think? This is pretty cool. <laughs> There's the baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the movie closes with someone saying pencil dick. So many times. Pencil dick. Yeah, they say pencil we, dick we, earlier we in the movie, too. Pencil yeah, a bunch she, of times. she says, I'm leaving pencil dick. Brad Pitt gets kicked in the nuts by Hollywood. And he's like, crazy doodle bitch. Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Pencil dick. And, and in the final credits, it like rolls up and it says like the end. And then a disembodied voice, Holly calling Jack a 
pencil dick. Right, because Jack has created this reality now where he is still a superhero and he's spending the rest of his days with Holly, even though she doesn't seem like she wants to. It's kind of like a Greek punishment rewards. His heaven is her hell kind of thing. It's a pretty neat tie-up. I think they're perfect for each other, you know? So that'll just about do it for Cool World. Let's head into our next segment, The Comic Convergence. Cool World had a few issues of comics, first of which was a prequel that I'd talked about earlier, written by Michael Urie, and the artist was Alan Cooperberg. And the only thing I really want to say about it is that in the comics, uh, they call Harris a skin puss. (laughs) Frank Harris? Yeah, they They call call Brad Pitt a skin puss. puss Instead of that, they still say noid and stuff in it, but they they call him a skin puss on multiple occasions. And I have no idea, like, why would you take that out? That's really funny. <laughs> that must have been the studio. Yeah, you can't, back. you can't oh, call him a skin God. puss. Look, we could do three. <laughs> listen, guys, we could do three pencil dicks, but you're we're drawing the line at skin puss. I'll give you five pencil dicks for one skin puss. <laughs> that's what Hollywood board executives sound like. Yeah, every one of them. Oh. Still. God, that's so fucking good. Thank you. Thank you for that, Sam. It could have been skin bag. That's it. There's a little story where there's a an ultimate weapon and stuff, but I don't want to spoil it in case you guys want to track down the Cool World prequel comics because you're absolute lunatics. Hit us up with your Cool World comic takes if you're a fucking masochist. Dirty nerdies. Oh, yeah, you got to be a dirty nerdy to, to be reading this stuff. Only the dirtiest of nerdy. The horniest podcast in town, baby. Yeah, evidently. We never set out for it to be, but we keep chasing these movies well, down that have a lot more sexual tension and, like, really weird stuff that just kind of... it's It begs to be talked about. It does indeed. Unfortunately for this movie, it did not beg to pay to see it. <laughs> uh, the budget on this one, $30 million. <gasps> Opening weekend, it made $5.5 million dollars the worldwide gross topped out at 14.1 million big oof 30 million dollars it cost them to do this not a huge budget for 1991 it's high for an animated wild ass movie like this but this is like probably middling was gabriel byrne a known entity at this point i believe he was more of a period piece guy at this point if I'm not mistaken. So. I would say he's a known entity. He's done quite a few movies. Miller's Crossing was 1990, and this is 1992. Okay, Miller's Crossing. That was when he really pops. This must be the next thing he made after Miller's Crossing, then. Oh, there was Shipwrecked, which is also a pretty big Disney flick. Into the West, oh, yes. and then Cool World. And then people who never saw Cool World were okay with casting him in The Usual Suspects. <laughs> Although, I think he, he does a well, fine job. Him, Brad Pitt does a fine job. I mean, these guys are acting to the fucking void this whole time, and this is before people had to do that. I think they did quite a serviceable job. Critics, we don't need to get into like the reviews at the time because they're just pretty brutal. The Chamata meter has a 4% 
score. Audience score higher, but still at 31%. General consensus is a cool world. There's a handful of visual sparks, but they aren't enough to distract from the screenplay's thin characters and scattered plot. I'm going to give this one up to the studio. Like literally, they're about to release the movie and the studio got a final look at the product and we're like, wow, this is what you told us it was going to be. But why did you ever think that we could release this? There's, in my opinion, a more perfect review by Leonard Malton, which is the one that I actually tracked down. He said, it's too serious to be fun, too goofy to take seriously. Lead characters are unlikable and unappealing, and it looks like a Roger Corman version of Roger Rabbit. And I think that's a perfectly succinct oh my God. description of this. Legend. I agree. That that's sounds great. exactly what, yeah, I can't sum it up like that, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there and it is. good with words, All right. but that guy is. It's a shame that this ruined Brad Pitt's career and he never acted again. <laughs> Dude, you hate to see it. Yeah, honestly. He was very promising. Oh, wait, hang on. Yeah, I, His saw filmography has a separate Wikipedia from him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mark of a <laughs> of a truly prolific actor. There's not enough room in this Wikipedia for his filmography. It's a whole new article. That's funny. Well, all right. Speaking of people, uh, people like I don't know fucking know. <laughs> Let's talk about who's your hero, who's your villain. This is a segment where we pick uh, who is our favorite hero or villain, but your hero doesn't necessarily have to be a hero and your villain doesn't necessarily have to be a villain. They don't have to be, you can like a bad guy who's also bad or a good guy who's that you hate. You know what I mean? Best good guy. Best good guy. Okay. Your hero. Yeah. Okay. Who's your hero? Here we go. I would give it to Frank Harris. I would give it to Brad Pitt's character just for mm-hmm. the sake of his like husky detective voice. You never have oh, seen Brad yeah. Pitt make this voice ever and you never will again after this film he's going for this like typical detective guy but he's got like this Uh little edge to it that's just so weird and he's got quotes he's got such weird quotes he's that hard-boiled dick yeah like the the piss stuff you cross that line i'll slap you around make you piss like a puppy and like the weird just non sequiturs (laughs) he just throws in you keep your pencil in your pocket you know what i mean it's just like guys you gotta leave this in the script but he's also a very hands-on detective. Like, okay, I know you're in Cool World, but you can't, like, beat up doodles randomly on the street. He's slapping Holly around the first time we ever see them together. He's pushing her. He's shoving her. He's, like, doing really hands-on detective work. And, uh, yeah, because of that, I can't Not give my well. good guy award to Brad Pitt's Frank Harris. My hero is Nails. He is a straight-up homie. He is a homie through and through. He's helping out Frank Harris wherever he needs so far that he's just going to be like, you know what? This could end the universe, but I'm going to let my friend have a date. Exactly. So what are you doing? My friend just specifically said, don't ever dare do any of this stuff by yourself. Please let me know. Exactly. And the next scene he goes, "Mm." literally three seconds goes by. He gets a call on the phone and he's like, well, I don't want to bother Frank. He's with Lonette. So... (laughs) He's a homie through and through, despite his intentions. He's just a doodle. He's made out of ink. And you know what? I feel like he's doing his best trying to be a good detective. And if what Sam is saying is true, he used to be a bad guy. He's really turned over a new leaf. I'd say my hero, Nails, get this guy a new glove. He's got three good gloves, one bad glove. Get him a new glove. One of his gloves got a missing finger. Is it because he's smoking cigars? I don't know. But I only counted six legs total yeah he's more an ant isn't he yeah we don't know because he's got a tough guy name like nails that's a tough guy name you could tell he's been through the streets that's why they say tough as nails 
There we go. It's actually from this movie. Let me just say, you never see his underbelly. You don't know what kind of manipulation. You know, in the comics. Yo, oh, fuck off. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say you see his penis. Um, you see his mandibles, though, baby. <laughs> no. I was going to say that his boss is an anthropomorphic hammer. Ah. So, hammer and nails. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I'm back on board. <laughs> For my hero, I'm going to go with the neighbor girl. She oh. was fucking down to clown. She rolled up, she saw lightning in this house twice, and both times ran in to see, like, a sweaty man looking very discombobulated, and at no point was she put off. She's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll help. Hey, we need to steal my mom's car? No fucking problem. Let's do it. Jennifer Malley was her name, the actress uh, Michelle Abrams. Very great. She was down. I thought her doodle was very fun when she transformed. So you know she's a good person, because she had a wholesome-looking NPC doodle character, so... She's my hero, Jennifer Malley. Also, at one point in time, she's reading the comics because she, she's trying to figure out where she knows Holly from. And she's looking at her comic and she said, oh, that's where she's from. And she's like super down to clown as soon as she finds out that there's a comic world in a real world. She's ready to, cool to give, to give up yeah. her mom's car and stuff. <laughs> as a teen, if you came to me and told me like you could jump into the Marvel Universe, I'd be like, oh, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. And also when she's reading that comic, the back has an ad and it says the trash man lives or something like that. And I really want to nice. I want to dig into that. Who's the trash man? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to go with my hero who would be... Pause for effect. The casting crew, which is Carrie Fraser and Shawnee Ginsberg, because they were able to pull what I guess they thought was just going to be some little heartthrob out of Brad Pitt. And Gabriel Byrne hadn't done a whole mess of movies up until now, but he is at least a known entity and a good actor. Irish guy, you couldn't tell he's Irish throughout this whole entire thing. Complete pro. Leaps and bounds over Kim Basinger, who's got three accents, I think, during the course of this movie. Okay, well, that kind of goes against what I'm saying. But anyway, she's got the look that's necessary. They get all of these great voice actors. Joey Kamen, who uh, is the voice of Slash, and oh, also nice, is yeah. the voice of uh, one of the Monstars in Space Jam. You could look him up. Mm-hmm. He's got a bunch of stuff. But also Maurice LaMarche is Doc Whiskers, and that's the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Dude does, like, everything. Oh, He's yeah. got one of the most storied voice acting careers, Futurama, Zootopia, The Simpsons for the last 30 years. So really, all together, this cast is like the, the thing that makes this movie even remotely palatable. They're all doing work. What I want to make my villain is the animators and the people who thought that this looked good or that like <laughs> turned over that scene where Brad Pitt's got the cigarette in his hand and it's like shaking like crazy and think like, yep, this is the best we could do. We can't do it any different from that. That's it. But really, I'm going to make my villain Slash because I hate he's like an evil baby. He pees and it's all kind of bad. He's wearing a diaper. He's really ugly looking, really just hard to look at. After Holly sucks nails into the pen, which is a known thing for pens, apparently. It's like that's the trope of the year. Uh Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows about about that. that. Then Slash is being real nasty and he's like, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, a pen job. Pen job. Oh, he did say that. He's like the I don't worst. Know if I'm allowed. Am I allowed oh. to go and and also do slash? You can do slash. God, if you I like. hate slash so much. Sure, yeah, absolutely. As the leader, I, I'd like to actually pick my least favorite bunch. Is just the Doodle Crew, the Doodle Bad Gang Crew. Every one of them. The goons. So I don't bad. like any one of them. And again, if you're gonna have uniformity, they're not uniform in any way, shape, or form. There's a giant bulldog gorilla. 
there's Slash, a baby. Can we just mention that there's a moment when they're falling off of the tower where you go into the giant gorilla's monster's mouth and come out of, out his, of his fucking butthole. butt? And you see a little Pinocchio inside his belly, like a little Pinocchio in Geppetto, I but not, but not a Disney-licensed uh-huh. version. Ralph Bakshi's a version. On a building. I also saw Mickey Mouse with the, like X's for eyes as a neon yeah. sign somewhere. Got him! <laughs> that is my least favorite. I think my favorite villain is Doodle Holly. For all the flack we can give this movie, she holds together the cool world side of things on terms of the animation and just selling it. What surprises me the most about Mm. the character is the decision that Holly's been around for 50 years at least, and she's never been able to convince a nasty dude to do it to her. So just like everyone who's ever gone insane, enough had to do it for them to say noids and doodles can't bang. And for that to be a thing, exactly. then it had to have happened before and, and been, been a problem. problem. Yeah, But that she's had zero success until the guy who... Actually created her. Who, right, or maybe actually created her, I don't know. Or maybe that's why. She needs to find a guy who's so detached that he thinks he created this world. Maybe she just finally reached her full power and is working her mojo on Deebs because he was be susceptible. True. Also true, you have the ultimate doodle block in Brad Pitt who's is keeping people's doodles away from her this whole time. But it seems odd that this is yes. the one time that she's able to finally doodle That's behind true. his back. Maybe she's been clowned out, like uh, Reed said. Maybe she's just been clowned out this whole time. And once Deebs started finally creating her image, maybe she kind of took inspiration from the real world. Ah. Worked off of... Maybe use, she sucked Use her in. subconscious to use his say, subconscious to kind of I gotta take say that form. can't be it, though, because in the prequels, <laughs> as soon as he enters Cool World, as soon as he enters you, Cool World, Holly's already there. If you're a closeted Cool World fanatic, you in, need to tell I, us right I just in read the them extended today. Cool World, you, in the Bakshi-verse, you well, th- these are, she already right, existed. But, th- but, I mean, these comics weren't written by him. He probably never even saw them. So this is just some guy who is, well, who is given funny. the unfortunate task to say, like, here, nobody has any idea what happened to Brad Pitt between the beginning and five minutes in. Can you do anything with this? And then he had to figure it out. Piggybacking off of you picking Doodle Holly as your villain, I'm also going to say Holly is my villain, but Human Ooh. Holly is my villain because I fucking hate her. She is the absolute worst the whole scene where she sings that song on that piano i was crawling out of my fucking skin that whole club scene that was like the office times a thousand it was so uncomfortable i just wanted to die yeah she's talking about how she smelled nobody's ever gonna turn her down because every man wants to do it to her and it's it's really really strange stuff and her she has like a southern accent and then a Marilyn Monroe accent. Yeah, when she's a doodle, I feel like she was so great and empowered. And then when she got what she wanted, she just became awful. I don't know. Is that a thematic or moral lesson? Whatever. I hated Human Holly. Even though Doodle Holly did the deed, I feel like Human Holly put Frank in the position to be killed. Now, granted, that worked out for him because he was killed by a doodle. So he's resurrected so he could be with his bride. Obviously, that's how it works. That's something that existed this whole movie, and I'm super glad they fucking set up so it wasn't a big surprise when it happened at the end. But Human Holly is my villain. So that being said, uh, does anyone have any final thoughts on Cool World? I oftentimes end uh, episodes saying, you know, I can't recommend this movie enough. I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, so I'll end this one by saying, oh yes, the recommendation. I just skipped right past that. So maybe that was just a subconscious plea because I think I know what all of our answers are going to be. So I'll end this one saying, I can't recommend this. 
Enough. Yeah, I'm with you there. I oh, <laughs> no. is it twins? No, enough. This is enough. <laughs> this, yeah, I I, I was I, I will not recommend this movie. I mean, even as a goof, if, if the only thing I would recommend is watch a YouTube clip of Holly dancing, and that's like pretty much the best part of the movie. This one is a skip for sure. Jake, would you recommend uh, anyone watching this movie? I I don't think I could unless you have a friend who's like an avid collector. Or a friend that really, really, really digs like really niche things like this. Yeah, it's going to be probably a pass. If I had a buddy, and I know this buddy of mine is like the biggest Roger Rabbit fan. And he's like, Mm. man, I just wish it was worse. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if it's unsettling and doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And I'd be like, yeah, Cool World. You should watch Cool World. That's the one. Cool rolls, right? That's, that's your thing. <laughs> Speaking of The Office, I would suggest this to Gabe from The oh, Office. Yeah. If you've got a Gabe in your life, he's going to love this yeah, one. Yeah, this is so close to being a horror movie just because of how much it hurts you. Really unsettling imagery. You're the survivor in this horror movie. You're the person who has to live with the tremendous amount of guilt that everyone around you uh, you know, died <laughs> Or everyone around, every everyone that you love also watch this movie. You have to have tremendous guilt. If anyone watches this movie because of this podcast, I will feel tremendous guilt. We're recording this beforehand, but in the in the mini episode, I think I'm going to recommend to not. <laughs> Please don't watch it. Listen to the podcast and then decide. Unless you're an absolute completionist and you want to know, I, I can understand because we 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 talk about a lot of stuff. We have a yeah, bond. We talk about a lot of stuff that's yeah. like really niche. Like, if you didn't watch the movie, you're not going to know what we're talking about. Demon Nichols? Like, I might have to see this. So if you're a completionist and you want to know exactly what we're talking about, watch it in two times speed. You won't miss a damn thing. Put it on while you're drinking and doing something else and just have it, like, on. If you have, Uh, like, a Halloween This is how we make fans of this. Like, roll this bad boy. You're like, get drunk and watch it. And then people are going to be like, actually, I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) No, just have it on in the background. Just, like... Or if you're doing like an art installation and you want to have like spooky visuals, definitely project like gifts of this on like a projector. That'll fucking do it. If you really liked the movie One Crazy Summer, and but the only part you liked about it was the cartoon part that hoops draws. <laughs> this is the movie for you. But this is this is the niche of a niche. This is the one for you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening, Jake. Thank you for guesting on this episode. Do you have uh, anything you want to plug, or a hashtag, or a app, something along that lines? Now nah, it was a pleasure being here, boys. Can't wait to keep listening. Oh, it was a pleasure having you. Oh, excellent. Yeah, well, maybe uh, we come up with a, an idea for a mini episode for us, and we'll have you back on something along those lines. But all right, uh, reach out and uh, talk to us if your comments on Cool World. If let us know if you'd want to cross over into those cool streets. Hit us up at nerdaplexy at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at nerdaplexypod. Uh, you can also hit up our social media manager, Dave, at the face of Dave on Twitter. Join us next time for Little Nemo in Slumberland. Uh, but until we meet again, I would like to leave you with this final thought to ponder. Um, we can quote Frank Harris, Detective Frank Harris, who at some point in the movie says to someone, as if this was sage advice, be content with the cards you've been dealt. Be content. So if you're in Cool World and you're in a crazy demon hell spawn, just be fine with it. 
It's better than going back to your dead mother. <laughs> and your concussion. <laughs> the spike of power. The spike of power. The spike of power. Spike of power. The spike. Spike of power. To the spike and... What spike? The spike, oh, spike, spike of power. The SOP. The spike, spike of power. power. Spike, spike of power. power. Oh, spike, spike of power. power. Spike of power. Spike of power. Unleashes doodles. Spike of power. Spike of power. The spike of power. The spike of power. 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 Spike of power.